0: So what that means, Brian, is you're the first one on the podcast. No, I guess the rest of the sermons are on there too. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I tried to push you up, but, you know. If you weren't here last week, you missed a great message from Brian, and you can check in and uh, podcast, website, or talk to, talk to Brian and he will tell you the sermon. So... Um, so be praying for Brian and Yvonne. Uh, they're trying to get out of town on vacation, but uh, Yvonne's mom had a scare, dizzy spell the other night, and uh, spent some time in the ER. But uh, God willing, and heaven require uh, participating, they're leaving tomorrow. Right? Yep. So, And uh, pray for Theo. Theo's flying back from China on Saturday. So, And uh, I'll just say, and you can... Ask around and figure this out later. Later, but uh, pray for all the pregnant moms in our church. <laughs> and Kathy's not one of them. <laughs> just want to make sure—you never know with some people. I'm just checking to see if Anna's going to give me a look. All right, so I want you to uh, help me to get started here uh, with anything that represents, uh, well, help me Help me finish these, these sayings. We have a lot of little sayings that we all have heard over the years that we, we might repeat at different times. So uh, you can help me complete these. A dog is a man's what? That's all right. A picture is worth... A rising tide raises all the boats. Didn't know that one, huh? Uh, I think you know this one. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Uh, Actions, no moss. That's a Taco Bell commercial, isn't it? Different moss. Uh, Actions speak louder than words. Now, how about this one? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. So, I think we all realize that obviously that's not true. And to begin with this morning, I want to remind us of a few Proverbs that will help us as we look at James 3. And let me preface what I'm going to say this morning by recognizing that James chapter 3, the beginning part is a bit of a somber chapter because... um, basically, James is dealing with a problem that we all deal with, which is that little thing in our mouth called the tongue. And it's one of the hardest things in the world for us to tame, and James recognizes that and speaks to it. And so, um, let me have you look at a few of these Proverbs. We'll start with Proverbs 12:18. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18:21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Every one of us has received death and life from a tongue, someone's tongue, and all of us have probably extended death or life with our tongue. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 14 From the fruit of their lips, from the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in a tongue breaks the spirit. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. The psalmist prayed, David prayed these words, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Probably a prayer that I, at least for myself, I'll start with myself, that's probably a prayer I need to pray every day and probably more often than once a day. Set a guard over my mouth and keep a watch over the door of my lips. I have a question for you. What controlled Jesus' speech? What was his standard for the use of his tongue? Exactly. He said the things that the Father had to say. That was how he kept his tongue tamed. So if we're going to follow the lead of Jesus and follow his model, then the words that we share, the tone, the reflection of what comes out of our mouth should be represented by what the Father is saying, represented what the nature of heaven's speech sounds like. I mean, if you think about it, Will there be criticism in heaven? Will there be bitterness and speech in heaven? Will there be sarcasm? Some of you are going, darn, there's not going to be sarcasm in heaven. All of those things will be gone. And so if, it's, if we're praying what's true in, is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we're praying that same prayer for our speech and for the use of our tongue. And so to reflect the Father of blessing and the Father's blessing, it's reflected by the ability we display in controlling our tongue. And so to the extent that we uh, speak bitterness with our tongue, we are not speaking the blessing or representing our Father when we speak. So if you look in your Bibles or look at the screen, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And then also verse 14, which moves into the other section of this chapter, but it's a very important part of the chapter. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And one translation has in parentheses, especially with our words. We all stumble in many ways, but especially with our words. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect, a, perfect, a perfect man or a mature man or woman, able also to bridle his whole body. So the question for us as we look at this passage is, the, is this question. Do, we stumble, do any of us stumble in what we say? How many of you have ever stumbled in what you said? A couple of you didn't raise your hand. Let's try that again. <laughs> because you just stumbled if you didn't raise your hand. No. We've all stumbled in what we've said at different times. And so we still have room to grow. All of us have room to mature because the word perfect means to mature, to, to grow in our understanding of how to use this tongue of ours, how to use our speech in a way that brings, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, A world of unrighteousness. Just think about that for just a moment. You've got unrighteousness in your mouth. You thought it was just halitosis and bad breath, but you have unrighteousness in your mouth. The tongue is is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Another translation adds this phrase. It's the sum total of all wickedness. I mean, just reading this passage makes you just want, I'm done. I have nothing else to say. I mean, it makes you almost afraid to speak. Because what in the world is coming out of my mouth? Is it representing heaven? Or is it representing hell? James goes on, verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, And sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9, With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. But if you have bitter jealousy, and this goes into verse 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, in capital letters I would say, in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. One of the things that we're going to see and we need to understand is that The way we use our tongue is a reflection of what's going on in our heart. It's a heart issue. That's where we control the poison and the evil that comes out of our mouth. Is we pay attention to what's happening in our heart. So in these first verses, James in the first verses, when he's talking about warning about not wanting to be teachers because they're under stricter judgment, he's basically saying we want consistency. In other words, if you say something, then match up with your life what you say because that's the judgment do you back up what you say he's encouraging us to be blessing only people not to be blessing and cursing people where we're allowing the possibility of both with excuses like well i can't help it you know i mean it just comes out it's just the way i am it's a high standard because it's rooted in the standard of the gospel and I just want you to be reminded as we look at these verses of the little things that James uses, the pictures he uses to show how, how little it takes to really control the tongue. He uses the example of a bit in the mouth, mouth of a horse to help control the horse in which direction it goes. He uses the rudder, the rudder on a ship to control the direction that an ocean liner goes in different ways. He talks about fire. Do we recognize the destructive force our words can have? You know, last year in California, well, California has fires all the time, but last year in Redding, California, they had a major fire called the Car Fire and uh, destroyed 175,000 acres. And I was reading the other day, well, well, let me put it this way. For several weeks, friends of ours that were there during that fire, I would see a Facebook post and there'd be a photo of a little... plume of smoke and the question in the facebook post was has anybody heard what's going on over there on third street because every time there was a plume of smoke there was fear that a fire was going to explode and so the tongue is like that we should recognize how much how much fire can spread by the use of our tongue animals can tame uh, uh, he talks about animals uh, being tamed and the question is, can we tame our speech and our impulsive thoughts? It's like a poison. Can we keep from poisoning ourselves and others by the use of our tongue? And he uses the picture of a spring. Is our speech a spring that's good or foul? It's like a fig tree. Is our speech bearing good fruit or is it mixed with bad? Our tongue, does it, does it ref- reflect speech that reflects Christian maturity? Do we sound like we're grown up? Grown up Christians? Or do we sound like little kids that are snarking at each other in the way we talk to each other? So, you know, there's a lot of examples of how we misuse our tongue. We let slip the wrong word at the wrong moment. And we all know that when that happens, a relationship can be ruined forever. I mean... Let me ask you. How many of you have ever had a word come out of your mouth and if you could chase that word down as quickly as it came out of your mouth, <laughs> you'd like, ah, why did I just say that? Another example of how, it, how we miss our, use our tongue is uh, we break promises. I promise you I'll be there. And then we don't show up. We don't follow through. I promise you, I won't do that this time. And then we do it again. Which means our tongue, our actions are not reflecting what our tongue is saying. Another thing is, another example is a bad oppression can be given which can never be repaired. We can say something about someone even in jest, even in just kind of fun sarcasm if there's such a thing. And we can destroy the reputation of someone forever. It's kind of somber when you think about it. Like I said, it makes it interesting to think about what our bagel time will be like today. Everybody's walking around just eating. How you doing? "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." Because we're afraid to say anything. But the point is, not to be afraid of saying anything, but paying attention to what changes things for us. We have excuses for speaking our mind. Like somebody had to tell him off. Or it was good for me to get it off my chest. Or I sure gave her a piece of my mind. Or maybe what I said will do him some good. And uh, ultimately, you know why I said it? I felt better for saying it. There's a character in the allegory Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan named Talkative. And the description of talkative was talkative was a saint abroad and a devil at home. Isn't it interesting how sometimes we can be really holy and righteous with our tongue when we're at church? And then you get in the car. <laughs> I think about how many times this happened. And uh, I'm glad my kids aren't little anymore. Because as soon as I'd get in a car, you know, this kind of message, I'd get in the car and they do something foolish and then my tongue would say something foolish to match their foolishness the tongue can be inspired by hell he says in verse 6 it can set on fire the course of life the entire course of life and set on fire it's set on by on fire by hell it's a sum total of all wickedness and then in verses 9 through 12 as we read he talks about the question, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Here's what can happen also if we misuse our tongue. We can have an atmosphere that is sweet. The words just make us melt and just, oh, that such an encouraging word that I received. And all it takes is one, one word, one phrase to completely change the atmosphere. Let me have uh, Stephanie put up some photos. We've mentioned before that we had the uh, opportunity to live in the Sierra, in Sierra City, in the Sierra Nevadas. We lived there for a couple of years. I mean, look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? I mean, it's just breathtaking. And we lived in this beautiful house, 4,000 feet. And whenever we would get a lot of rain... The uh, septic system was at the back of the property. And there was a beautiful little stream that flowed at the back of the property. Except, and it was beautiful, and it, the smell of mountain air was fresh as could be, but when it rained too much, guess what it smelled like? The smell of rotten eggs. And it doesn't matter how beautiful it looks. I'm telling you, when you're looking out at this lake, and all you can smell is the smell of sulfur. It doesn't look quite as beautiful. And so we can be saying beautiful things, but if we've destroyed the atmosphere with our tongue, it destroys the atmosphere of heaven that existed right before something spewed out of our mouth. Luke chapter 6. If we could put that up there. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 to 45. Jesus said, For no good tree bears bad fruit, no. Uh, I wrote something down wrong here. No, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. I think that's why James says in verse 14... But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. He was reflecting what his brother Jesus had said before. And that is, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. It's the heart that produces good. And so if you find yourself destroying the atmosphere with your tongue, where you need to check is your heart. You need to find out what's going on. What got sideways in your heart towards that other person or towards that group of people or whatever it is that your tongue is speaking to that is spreading evil and poison and reproducing the atmosphere of hell and re- instead of reproducing the atmosphere of heaven. A critical heart produces a critical tongue. From John Piper. A selfish heart produces a judgmental tongue. A bitter heart produces an acerbic tongue. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. A loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart produces a reconciling tongue. A trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. Bringing our speech, the use of our tongue under God's control is found in the power of the Gospel. We're going to celebrate communion in a few minutes, but I want you to think about the fact that what Jesus did in His surrender and His sacrifice, the use of His tongue was always predicated by what the Father was saying. So I want to give you some practical things that we can used to tame our tongue. And then I want to move us into celebrating communion together. First of all, count your blessings. Maybe some of you, if you've had a tongue problem lately, you need to fast negativity. Take a week and ask the Holy Spirit. Ask your husband. Ask your wife. Ask your kids. Every time, in fact, I remember we lived in sort of a very fundamental conservative Christian household. And my dad one time, he said, um, I never heard my dad curse, by the way, so that's what makes this story funnier. He said that, you guys, whenever I slip and say heck, I'm going to give you a nickel. So man, we were always listening. You know, He'd say, well, that was a heck of a game. Dad, that's a nickel. And, you know, we always were trying to catch him and saying, heck, well, maybe that's as bad as it is for you. Or worse. But maybe we need to use that with one another. Maybe we need to ask a brother or sister, a friend in our church family or whatever, and say, hey, I've realized there's something wrong with my heart because what's coming out of my mouth does not reflect the heart of the Father. And I want to fast that negativity because it's affecting the atmosphere. It's affecting the atmosphere of my home, of my relationships with my friends, and it's even affecting me. Another thing is get in touch with the love of God. Pay attention to the Spirit's nudges when you've misused your tongue. Or write write down thoughts in a letter instead of just lashing out. Maybe you have something you need to say. But write it down. Write it in a journal first and pray over the thoughts before you deliver them verbally. And slow down and be slow to speak as James says earlier in his book. Wait before responding to a comment, criticism, or a piece of gossip. Just say, hold on a minute. Tongue, just stop. Um, Here's another practical piece of advice. Make five positive comments to every negative one that we make about someone else you realize that's basically the statistic. I happen to think it's higher than that. I think that every negative comment you hear from someone else, it takes about seven to eight positive comments to dilute the effect of that negative comment. The last thing is treat everything we say as a gift to another person. We should ask this question. Are my words a gift that I truly want to leave in their hands? And the other question is, is it a gift I'd want to give to myself? So, as we talked about, the thing that controlled Jesus' tongue was He was always seeking to say what the Father was saying. And in the next section, James 3, uh, James references the wisdom from heaven. And let me just read what he says about wisdom that's from heaven in verse 17. But the wisdom from heaven is first pure Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And verse 18 says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are we using our tongue to make peace? Or is our tongue responsible for stirring up the atmosphere with credit given to the enemy? Jesus is credited for saying, or at least the Gospels record, seven statements that he made while he was hanging on the cross. We talk about those being the seven last words of Jesus. And remember, there were lots of things being said about Jesus and to Jesus as He hung on the cross. They were mocking Him. They were spitting at Him. They were cursing Him. They were saying things about Him that were not true. About our Lord and Savior. They were putting Him down as far as they could put Him down along with crucifying Him on the cross. But I want to remind you and see if you can remember Can you think of a phrase in those last words that Jesus spoke that represents what was really on His heart? That He returned the curses and the mockery with curses and mockery? The Gospels record Jesus' last words, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Every unkind word I've spoken to my kids, to my wife, to a friend. I should hear those words. I need to hear those words. Father, forgive him, for he doesn't know what he's doing. And as we get ready to receive communion in a few moments, the reminder for us is the Father has forgiven us through His Son, So that no matter whether 95% of the words we spoke this week were words of hell, or half of the words were, or 5% were, whatever, whatever measurement it represents, once again, we receive the grace that we all need. And we can say, Father, would you please forgive me? And change the way I use my tongue so that I bring the Father's words to this earth rather than the words of hell. Would you bow your heads as we pray and get our hearts ready for communion? Lord, in some ways I feel like this is a kind of a heavy word, but I think the reality is it's heavy because it's so practical because we all have a problem with the use of our tongue. None of us have been successful, completely successful, in using our tongue the way that you designed and the way that we desire. So we pray this morning that we, as we receive the means of grace through communion, we pray that you would help us to be mindful once again of how important it is for our words to speak The words of the Father. So we can bring blessing instead of a curse. We ask in your name. Amen. going to invite you to come take the bread and cup back to your seats and then we'll receive both of them together so if Jay and Kathy will come I invite you to come and receive the bread and the cup hold on to them and we'll take them together Jesus took the bread and He broke it and He said this body is broken for me broken for you and my body is broken for you and every time you eat it you do it in remembrance of me so I invite you to take that little cracker that you have that piece of bread it's broken so as we receive it Father we pray that every place that we have broken covenant because of our words we pray Lord that you would bring healing and wholeness and change the tone of our speech change the use of our tongue so that we might represent heaven and earth to the people that we come in contact with we ask in your name Amen let's receive the bread then he took the cup said this is my blood Represents my blood shed for your sins. In a way, it's kind of significant. Sometimes, in order to destroy microbes and germs in our mouth, the dentist tells us to take some kind of special mouthwash. But what better mouthwash is there than the washing that comes through Jesus Christ? the renewing of our speech, the renewing of our attitudes that reflect our hearts. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless the cup. Bless the cup and clean us up once again by your grace. Let's receive the cup. Can we stand together as we worship one more song before we leave? As we get ready to go, a couple of things, just to remind you, there's a sign-up sheet, men, for the men's retreat. I forgot to make that announcement earlier. But another very important thing is that, especially with communion, uh, we want to use that opportunity. If anybody of you need prayer for anything, uh, make sure and come up afterwards, and we will pray for you, anoint you with oil, and pray for God to bring protection and healing. Uh, We know that God's answering prayers, right? So... Uh, We want to continue to press into different things. So hold out your hands to receive these words from Paul, 1 Thessalonians. Now may the God of, of peace Himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body, and tongue be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and He will surely do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen.